Nuns versus Nurses, Episode 3. Jacob and Sister Dames have met. In a dream they are both having. Dames lies unconscious, undiscovered, outside a supply tent after being attacked. Jacob's sudden entrance into this world and awareness of his existence has barely had time to be a mystery before he fell from a forest cliff. A tribal hunting party, suspicious of an outsider, now decides if they should turn him into the authorities, and their debate is interrupted by a sudden entrance of a shadowy figure, a large cat-like creature that leaps from the bushes, only he does not land on all four legs. He lands on two and stands upright. His face and fur unmistakably feline, and his dress and demeanor something quite different. He stands before the group in a scarlet cape and skirt that act as unneeded accessories to the warrior's attire that cover him. A protective chest plate and thick leather boots and belt. His entire physical presence and somewhat threatening appearance seems very out of place in the context of his surroundings. As he senses the intentions they may have for the unconscious Jacob who lies at their feet, he loudly says in a commanding tone to the entire group, Wait! Think for yourselves for once. This man needs your help, not your condemnation. You know what fate awaits him if you turn him in. The Mohawked man who was referred to as a major and who wanted to show no mercy to Jacob is the first to reply. Now after the initial surprise, his familiarity reveals itself in tone alongside his indifference to the new suggestions. We don't know his fate as well as you do, cat man dude, and you seem to be doing just fine. The cat-like creature quickly rebuts. You've all been sold a story, and it doesn't mean you have to buy it. This man can likely help you, help us all. How long will you work against your own self-interests? And then in the name of what? The promise of a lie? A story? A myth? And now other voices from the group of men contribute. You're the one telling lies and stories. We don't need your kind around here, outsider. I can't find a reason to pretend or be polite in how I say it. And Catman Dude steps forward to emphasize his words as he replies, Outsider? Man, you either really bought into some nonsense or you're selling it. It matters little to me. I may be different from you, but I assure you my status as an outsider is the same as yours. But the Major has heard enough, and tucks a smooth river stone into a leather sling, and spins it around as he speaks. So you know better than us. Why should we even listen to you? You can't tell us how to live. We take care of our own. And as he releases the rock from the sling, Catman Dude easily jumps to avoid it, and now far more safe and removed from the group, stands on a low-hanging branch overlooking them, looks down and says, Take care of your own, by letting someone take every bit of hope and chance you have for a better life, and trade it for some illusion of superiority, or a chance that you might be the chosen recipient of some random gift from some authority? That's fine with me. I'm done here. You'll find someone to blame when things don't work out for you. I'm not going to be here when that happens. The stories you've been told have twisted your thoughts. It seems all you do is flee or attack when you're asked to think for yourselves as individuals. A mob listening to one loud voice of hate and blame has never been the model for self-reliance. As he turns and leaps away into the forest brush he came from, one man from the group who had been sympathetic to Jacob's plight steps forward. He is tall and his broad shoulders hold up strongly as he carries his hunting supplies. His head is clean-shaven except for the long green ponytail that flows from behind. And he inquires... Can he be right, Major Domo? Why do we believe and act on stories we've been told about our world, rather than keep trying to find out things for ourselves? And the Major firmly replies, That's enough of that kind of talk, Bojangles. We may not be rewarded well, 
but at least we aren't like those other tribes that don't believe the legends. And as they stand looking at the group who has already started tying up Jacob to a small log so they can hoist and carry him to whatever fate awaits him, the Major continues. That's why these men are so willing to do this work for us. They need to feel they are right to do it. If we keep asking if we're wrong, no one will be willing to do what we want. Only by making everybody else wrong can we assure we're perceived as right. Imagine if everyone was looking for the truth instead of just being content they have it. They would each start thinking different ideas and have for different reasons to not do the things that are in our interest. If everyone started to think the answers might lie within themselves, they would know they don't need us. We would lose control over them. Meanwhile, a sister dame still remains undiscovered and unconscious outside the supply tent after being attacked, and her and Jacob lie physically in two different locations. They begin to reconcile that they are experiencing the same dream together at the same time. Jacob seems less certain what is actually happening. He says, can you help me? Am I dreaming? Sister Dames replies, if this is anyone's dream, Jacob, it is mine. Indeed, although others have come through my dreams as they enter this world, I must warn you. But remembering the first warnings he got when he had recently and suddenly become aware of his own existence in this world, his curiosity quickly turns to cynicism. If you're going to tell me I'm not safe here, I'm already quickly beginning to believe that. But what is this world? How can I be so unaware of where I am, of everything? Everything seems so different to me. But compared to what? I know I must have come from somewhere. And Dames does her best to soothe his concerns. This I can tell you, Jacob. Twice before I've been asked these questions. Things did not turn out well either time for those who were asking. Almost everyone here has expected someone who would arrive for a third time. Or as many times as it takes until Jacob interrupts again. Yes, until what? What exactly are you trying to say? And Dames continues, I'm saying I'm afraid for you, Jacob. Afraid that someone here may want more than you can offer. And they're not going to be happy when they find out you can't provide it. Please understand, many of us here question if this is the way the world was meant to be. Our connection to our own history is lost to a seemingly purposefully created and imposed ignorance. We have either conflicting information or no information on so many things. The line between lies, truth, myth, and fantasy are blurred, if not gone. Different tribes and factions have emerged, Jacob. Some with specialized knowledge or resources no one else has. My group is desperately seeking a key to a better way to live. For everybody. With little information on how this all came to be, we struggle for ways to solve these problems. Some here seem not to care or notice these concerns and just accept things the way they are. And some are definitely trying to make things worse and more confusing for everyone else. As Jacob tries to make sense of it all, Dames continues. But there are signs that our world was not always in such disrepair, Jacob. So much is in ruins around us. And we have technology that few, if any, know how to use. Whoever is made an enemy of information and knowledge is winning the battle. I think we may be running out of time to change things, which is why your arrival is so important. You may be the one to make the difference, but beware. The conflicts over the few resources that are available here seem to be getting more violent. Jacob looks confused and replies, Violence? But your clothes? You wear a nun's habit. Doesn't violence dishonor your creator? Or is that who you call upon to win, to win the conflicts? And Dames tries to explain, Jacob, 
things here will not be consistent with what you remember of your previous existence as your memories return. Look at this tree we stand under, Jacob. It honors its creator perfectly just by being here. It can't experience the confusion, the lies, the pain or deceit and suffering that surround defining that creator. But by its very nature, it's empowered and programmed to serve life around it while it procreates and sustains itself. And of course it needs the life energy from other creations in order to survive, just as you and I do. The irony of all life is that it must take energy from other life in order to survive. A tree can fight off most natural predators, but only in defense of its own life. It gives of itself to sustain and shade others. It can't start a war in the name of its creator. It can't plant the seed of that vile trait that infects those who want to elevate and differentiate themselves from brother or neighbor only by hating, hurting, or killing. And Jacob questions, but a tree has no knowledge of its creator, of what it is, or if anything is expected of it. And Dames assures him, exactly. And without hearing or reading the thoughts of others, neither would I. I don't want to do your thinking for you, Jacob. That's my point. Being unaware, unaffected by what others think, does not have to take us further away from serving and honoring our Creator. The tree is just the perfect example of that. More urgently, though, a tree can also save a life, Jacob, like it saved yours. Before I leave this dream and let it become only yours, this may help guide you to your next step. While you're in this dream, Jacob, go to where your body fell and still lays dreaming. I will do my best to send for word to those who may be able to help you. I'm not certain what can be done, but we are now bound together by sharing this common dream. I hope we can somehow help each other. And as she turns to depart, she offers one last word. Fairly well, Jacob. By that I mean I'll see you very soon. You'll need this dream far longer than I do. For now, it's time for me to... And as she disappears from the dream, she awakens on the ground. She's being helped up by two of her fellow nuns. Sister Arcadia has always seemed the strongest of their group, and Dames is comforted when she awakes to see her. Sister Arcadia, I was attacked. Arcadia stands taller than Dames and more physically conditioned, to an extreme degree. We know, child. The cart is back and full again. Please take it this time so you can go and rest. Dames agrees, but adds, Okay, I will. But there is somewhere I have to stop first. The flight of the seabird may now be our only hope. And as Dames pulls the horse and cart away, the other nun with Arcadia questions. Sister Arcadia, aren't you going to stop her? The price we paid last time, she... And Arcadia replies, No, I'm not. She must have seen someone in her dreams again. Every time someone has come to her in her dreams, it has left a mark. And I can tell it has happened again. She seeks redemption more than anything. I trust she'll know when the time is right. More importantly, though, we have found the proof we need. Whoever attacked her left something behind, and I'm going to see that it is properly returned. And as Sister Arcadia goes off to act on the proof that she mentions, it seems to indicate exactly who attacked Sister Dames. And both of the nuns who have seen the evidence now know they're headed to a confrontation that will change their world forever. The attacker left behind an instrument only one group would possibly have. The stethoscope of a nurse was left at the scene of the attack. And Sister Arcadia is not in a patient mood as she departs to find out why.
Hi, this is Kerry Cohen, creator of Nuns vs. Nurses. I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I'm really having a lot of fun adapting Nuns vs. Nurses from a graphic novel to a podcast form, and I hope you're having as much fun listening to it. There's a lot more to go to the story. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns, and my plan is to make sure I complete it here and make sure that your interest pays off. It takes a lot of time to rewrite it and record it for the, for the podcast and to you know put the music and the, and the touches to it. But I'm going to help find the time to, uh, I'm hoping to find the time to keep it to, to about one episode each week or at least you know three episodes each month. If you'd like to help support the effort, it would go a long way to helping me keep on that schedule and complete the story. I really don't want to you know, put ads in here as, as, the, uh, as the audience grows. But uh, I, I have a really fun way you can support the podcast if you want to. I have some merch that I'd like to offer to thank you for your support. First, when you support Nuns versus Nurses at any level, uh, you'll automatically get a Nuns vs. Uh, Nurses sticker of one of the characters as drawn in the original graphic novel. Uh, the story where the story came from. Uh, the stickers are super colorful and fun, and, and they're the perfect size to really put anywhere that you'd put a sticker. They're not too like big and obnoxious or anything. So if you'd like to have this first badge of support, uh, just support uh, nuns versus nurses at any level. Uh, on the Facebook page, there are links to support nuns versus nurses, the podcast, and there are you know, different levels, uh, links to go to different levels. So anything from a dollar to whatever you can offer will get you uh, this first sticker. Uh, featuring one of the characters. And then I do have a few hard copies of each of the original printings of the three volumes of the graphic novel that I'd like to give away for free as a thank you to those who support and get a sticker. So each month what I'll do is randomly pick someone from everyone who supported through the stickers, and uh, the winner each month will receive a free copy of one of the graphic novels. I only have a few copies left, so uh, you know please don't wait if you do want to get a copy. And that's it. If everyone uh, chips in just a token amount, we can make sure we, uh, you know, finish the story on schedule and everyone gets a sticker and some lucky winner gets the novel. So it's a big win-win-win for everyone. So if you haven't already gone to the Facebook group, you know, stop by there and join and, and you know, check out what's there also and, and the information on the graphic novels too. I'd love to hear any feedback you have on the story or on the podcast or any ideas that you think would be helpful in general. And uh, also, lastly, I have a couple other podcasts, if you have not had a chance to hear. Chicago Creators is a podcast uh, where I interview other uh, creators, and, you know, mostly from the Chicago area. I don't limit, to, limit it to that. But, uh, you know, any musicians or authors or artists, uh, there's uh, several episode, episodes up already. And then also I have uh, uh, The World of Music. Carrie Cohn's World of Music is up, and that focuses more on my musical projects and what I'm up to uh, in my world of music. So that's it time. Uh, that's it for this time. I'll see you on the next episode of Nuns vs. Nurses, episode four. And uh, just like a post-credit scene, here's your preview for sticking around through all my uh, chattering here. Uh, in the next episode, the nuns will confront the nurses about Dames being attacked. Now that she's uh, safely on her way after being attacked, we'll see where Dames goes before she returns to the main camp and the kids that she takes care of there. And we'll meet a blind man who somehow seems to be able to sense things that others can't around him. And he may hold the key to answers that everyone is looking for and seeking. So that's it. We'll see you in about a week. And uh, don't forget to get your sticker and spread the word about nuns versus uh, nurses. Thank you so much. Nuns versus knickers, I almost said. Nuns versus stickers. All right, nuns versus nurses. See you next time. Thanks.